message guide. We're going to talk about uh, the fruit of the Spirit tonight, and specifically we're going to talk about love. And I want to read, I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you tonight, because uh, I want to, to, I want you to hear what the Word of God has to say concerning this. It's fine for us to, for, you know, to, to, to say what we have to say, but what I have to say really is not important if what I have to say doesn't coincide with what the Word of the Lord is. And God is, God is the final authority on everything. Amen? Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I didn't start there, but if I was to go back up into verse 19, verse 19, 20, and 21 chronicles the works of the flesh. It says, these are the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so, in Paul's statement here, he makes this declaration that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. In other words, we have been crucified with Christ. We don't, we don't operate out of the works of the flesh anymore. Why? Because the flesh has been crucified with its passions and with its desires. If we belong to Christ, the flesh has been crucified. The works of the flesh, that's not who we are. If those are the things coming out of our life, what does that indicate? Let's go back to what we talked about. Jesus said a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. If I'm a good tree, I'm going to produce good fruit. If I belong to Christ, what has God made me through His power? He's made me a good tree, and I can't have any bad fruit. And so if I'm a good tree, my flesh has been crucified with Christ and its passions and its desires, and so what will be the fruit of my life? It will be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. And so he says in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, how do we know if we live in the Spirit? Romans 8 9 says, if you are Christ, then you are in the Spirit. You live in the Spirit. If you are in Christ, you live in the Spirit. So if I belong to Christ, I live in the Spirit. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, let my life reflect the reality of who I am. If I'm a good tree, if I'm a branch connected to the true vine, if I am good ground, then let my life manifest that reality. And so let the fruit of the Spirit come forth from my life. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become, look at this, conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, if you notice something about the fruit of the Spirit, they, they're all associated, they all are related to love. Love is the first fruit listed there. And I submit to you that 
all of the other fruit that follow, you can't have those fruit if you don't have love. You can't. You don't have any joy if you don't have any love. You don't have any peace if there's not love in your life. There is no gentleness if there is no love. There is no kindness if there is no love. None of these things can manifest in your life if there is no love. It's why Jesus said what he said about love. And we're going to look at this in just a moment. So the Holy Spirit produces fruit to what? To produce more fruit. If I have love, if love is the rule of my life, am I going to have a problem with peace? No. How about joy? No. Patience? Kindness? No. Gentleness? No. Faithfulness? No way. Self-control? Uh-uh. If love is the rule of my life, am I going to have a problem controlling my anger? I used to have a problem controlling my anger. But the Spirit of God has done a work. Now, I'm not saying I don't ever lose it. Sometimes I do. But I don't, I don't nearly have the problem that I used to have. I used to have a filthy mouth. I used to have a, I'd yell and scream and just act a fool. I remember one time when I was still living at home, I was changing the car, the oil in my car, and I couldn't get my oil filter off. And my mom had a washing machine repairman there, kind of a friend of the family. And he's in there repairing the washing machine in the garage, and I'm in the driveway trying to get my oil filter off my car. And I just, I just flat out lose it. Couldn't get the oil filter off. And so what do I do? I just, I lose it. I mean, I just went crazy under my car. I tear the oil filter up, and I've got every foul word coming out of my mouth you can imagine. And I'll never forget that washing machine repairman was just there patiently working on that washer. He stopped, because I realized he was there. He just turned around and looked at me. He never said a word. He just looked at me. Like, what in the world is wrong with you? And even in my unrepentant, sinful state, it, it convicted me. Didn't change me though. It, I didn't get changed until what? Until the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life. And when God came into my life, He dealt with those things. Why? Because I was bad soil. I was a bad tree. And though I thought I was a good person, there was no good fruit that came from me. Why? Because I, I was a bad tree. And I didn't have the power to make myself a good tree, only... God had the power to do that. And when God makes us a good tree, when God transforms our life and puts His Spirit on the inside of us, then there is a manifestation, a reality that must come out. And that's called the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot do, listen church, we cannot do the work of the Spirit. But we become branches that what? That allow the Spirit's life to work through us and manifest his fruit you can't do the work of the spirit you can't save anybody you can't transform anybody you can't regenerate anybody you can't deliver anybody you cannot do that i know you want to think you can and i want to think i can but we can't 
All we can do are be branches that allow the Spirit's life to work through us. But it is the Spirit's power, it is the Spirit's work that does the transformation. We're just the vessels that He works through and flows through. So let's look at this first fruit of the Spirit, love. Love is commanded us by the Lord Jesus Christ. John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Now, that doesn't mean like a whole, that doesn't mean a lot to us today. But if we were living in Jesus' day, and we were Pharisees of the day, people of the day, and someone comes up and says, a new commandment I give to you, that'd be a pretty big deal. Now, if I or somebody else said, I've got a new commandment to give to you, you better run as far away from me as you possibly can. Because I don't have the authority to give you a new commandment. But Jesus had the authority to give you a new commandment. It really wasn't a new commandment. John says this in 1 John. He said, really I don't have a new commandment to give to you. It's really the same old commandment. Because the commandment to love was there from the beginning. In the Ten Commandments, in the law of Moses, the commandment was the same. It was to love. But Jesus just put it in a different term. He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. He said, forget everything else and remember this one new thing I'm going to tell you. And what was it? That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. For by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love. If that fruit exists in your life, they will know you are my disciples. And if that fruit of love exists in your life and in my life, then the other fruit are going to be there. They will. They will come into manifestation. They have to. John 15, 12, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What did he command us to do? To love one another. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. What did he choose us and appoint us to do? That we should go and do what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. He doesn't want temporary fruit. He doesn't want fruit that's just for our convenience, for our sake, for this moment in time. No, he wants fruit that will remain. What is fruit that will remain? It's fruit that is planted, that is productive, and is multiplying. That kernel of wheat that falls to the ground, Jesus doesn't want that to just create a stalk of wheat. But he wants that stalk of wheat to be planted again, and to be planted again, and to be planted again. And do you see the multiplication of fruit that takes place from one kernel, one grain of wheat, from one grain of wheat? Do you see the tens upon thousands upon thousands of additional grains of wheat that are produced? That's what he means here when he says that you would produce fruit and that your fruit would remain. That that fruit in your life is going to be reproducing and multiplying. That God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, 
would take you a branch, would take you the ground. He would plant his holy seed in it. And through you, he would not only produce fruit, but he would multiply it. And as it is multiplied, that fruit, it remains. It remains. Think about the trees planted in your yard. Do you realize those trees came from a seed somewhere? And every tree in your yard is testimony of fruit that has remained. It came from somewhere. And that tree, now as it drops seed and it produces more, that fruit remains and that fruit is produced. And God says, that's what I want to do in your life. That's why the scripture says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who what? Who meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. Who lays in his bed and meditates on the word. He is like what? A tree planted by the rivers of water. Whose fruit will not fail. Whose leaves will not fail. But will prosper in everything. In other words, it will be fruitful. And it will remain fruitful. And its fruit will be multiplied. And that's what God wants to do through us. By His Spirit. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. What am I going to ask? Am I going to ask selfishly? No. If I am a branch connected to the true vine, I can only produce the fruit consistent with the vine. I can only produce the fruit that's consistent with the root. When Jesus made that statement, it was not a license for us to ask whatever we want. It was a reality. It was a statement of the reality that if I am a branch connected to the true vine, my fruit, what my desires are, what my prayers are, what is going to come out of my life is going to be absolutely consistent with the root that the life, the life that's in that root that's flowing in me. He said, so ask what you want in my name. Ask the Father in my name that he may give you these things I command you. What? That you love one another. Look at Romans 13. Now let's see what Paul said. Paul said, oh, no man, Romans 13, 8. Oh, no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, he said, any and all the other ones, he said, they are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus didn't come to do harm. He came to redeem. He came to save. And he said love one another. As I have loved you. Paul said love does no harm. To a neighbor. I don't have to wonder. Whether I should steal from my neighbor or not. If I stole from my neighbor. Would, it, would I be doing harm to him? Yes. If I'm stealing from people. Am I doing harm? If I'm lying, am I doing harm? If I'm coveting, am I doing harm? If I'm committing adultery, am I doing... Yes, I'm doing harm. Love does no harm. It doesn't. 
And in this, all the law is fulfilled in what? In love. Love never, listen, love never enables people to live selfishly or sinfully. People use this all the time. People out in the world and even Christians. Well, you know, brother, you're supposed to love me. You're supposed to let me do what I want to do. No, that's not love. Love doesn't enable people to live selfishly. Love does not enable people to live sinfully. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to call someone out on something. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to discipline. The scripture says God disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. Because a father who loves his children will discipline his children. Discipline is not punishment. God doesn't discipline us to punish us. He disciplines us because he loves us. Because he does not want us to live with the false impression that I can go around doing harm to other people and think that it's okay. He disciplines me not to punish me, but to bring me back into a reality that, hey, love says do no harm. And in loving, all the law is fulfilled. It's not a license to live selfishly or sinfully. On the contrary, it's the exact opposite. Love is the fulfillment of all, the scripture says, of all the law, of all the prophets. For you, brethren, Galatians 5.13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do you realize we have liberty in Christ? We have freedom, but not liberty or not freedom to use as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All is fulfilled in one word, and that word is what? It's love. So how? How is everything fulfilled in this one word? Because God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, 1 John said. Look at it, 1 John 4, 6. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You can't separate God from love because God is love. That's why Jesus said a new commandment, love one another. Because if you truly love one another the way I've loved you, that means that you abide in me and I abide in you. And that's the only way we can have life. That's the only way we can make a true difference in this world. We can run around and think that we're making a difference because we're doing this and doing that and we're hyping this up and we're hyping that up and we're, we're working this up and we're working that up. But I'm going to tell you what, if there is no love there, if there is not the root and the fruit of love in our life, all we got is a bunch of windbags, a bunch of hype and a bunch of hot air. Peter talks about it. That in the last days, you're going to have a bunch of guys running around. They're going to be a bunch of windbags. That's what he literally says. Blowing a bunch of hot air. And it sounds real good. And it sounds real spiritual. But Jesus said, the test is your fruit. Because what I have ordained is for you to have fruit and that your fruit would remain. Because it's only the life that's in the root that produces that fruit that can truly change and transform a person's life so so how is it that God has said this that in in this one word all shall be fulfilled who is God 
Well, Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead, Paul said in Colossians. You realize that Jesus Christ, he wasn't just a great man. He, he is God in the flesh. Who is love personified? Christ is love personified. God so loved the world, he sent his son. And love became personified in our midst. In Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John 1.14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became personified and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus Christ. And all is fulfilled in this one Word and in this one man, Jesus Christ. If we abide in Christ, we abide in love. Why? Because God is love. And therefore, if we abide in Christ, we are to love as He loves. Do you realize that? That's why John says, don't tell me you love God, but you hate your brother. Because if you really love God, if God is abiding in you and you are abiding in God, then you must have the same love that God has because God is love. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. How do we obey the truth? Through the Spirit. How? In sincere love. See, we want to make it a bunch of rules and regulations. Jesus said, I want to get rid of all the list of rules and regulations. And I want to bring it down to one thing. You obey me. You obey my commandments. You obey in this one thing, in sincere love of one another. That's what Peter says right here. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. In other words, don't love with an ulterior motive. Don't love for what you're going to get out of it. Don't love because you think if I show love to this person, then I'm going to get something back. See, that's not love. That's manipulation. That's selfishness. Peter said you love, you love through the Spirit with a fervent love from a pure heart. In other words, you love with the same love that Jesus loved with. An unconditional love that expects nothing in return. Do you know that if Jesus would have only come to earth and died on the cross based on what we were going to do in response to that, I don't think he'd have come. Father, I'll love them if they'll love me first. Uh-uh, he loved us first. And because he first loved us, we are now able to love him. <clears throat> having been, look at this, having been born again, not of corruptible seed. There is that word again, seed. And you can't talk about seed and not talk about fruit. Because the whole point of planting a seed is to what? Get fruit. Why did you plant all those tomato seeds in your garden? Just so you'd have a bunch of greenery out there? No, you want some fruit. Why did you plant those squash seeds? Because you want some fruit. Why did you put those watermelon seeds in the ground? Because you want some watermelon. You could care less about the vine or the shrub. You want the fruit. God says there is an incorruptible seed planted in you. And what does he want? He wants the fruit of that seed to not only be produced, but he wants it to be multiplied and he wants it to fill 
the earth. There is the mandate from Genesis right there. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. What kind of seed is planted in us? A seed that lives and abides. How long? Forever. So how long should our fruit be producing and multiplying? As long as the seed lives, and that is forever. We are told to love as He has loved us with a love that transcends our emotions, our feelings, and our flesh. Do you know how conditional human love is? Human love is totally and completely conditional upon our emotions, upon our feelings, and upon our flesh. And I say human love because that is not love. There is only one true love, and that is the love of God, because God is love. Anything other than that kind of love is not love. You can put any definition you want on it, you can put any name you want on it, but it is not love, because that is not the kind of love God loves with. All is not fulfilled in a love as the world knows love, but in love as known and as personified in Jesus. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Paul defines love for us right here. I would encourage you to read this chapter. I'm not going to do it right now because I don't have time. But Paul says this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become, what? Meaningless noise. Though I have the gift of prophecy, though I have all knowledge, though I have faith to move mountains, but have not love, I don't have anything. My love, without love, my gifts, my knowledge, my faith, and my power are what? Paul says they're nothing without love. He didn't say I couldn't do those things. He said if you do those things without love, they're nothing. You do realize people can do miraculous things in the name of the Lord, but God not know them. We read Matthew 7, 21 through 23. That's exactly what Paul's talking about here. I can prophesy. I can have all knowledge, I can have all faith, I can move mountains, but if I don't have love, if I don't have love, what do I not have? I don't have Christ. And if I don't have Christ, God doesn't know me. And if God doesn't know me, it doesn't matter what kind of miracles I do. They are meaningless. Because the only thing he recognizes is the fruit that comes from the true root. And if I don't come from that, it doesn't matter what kind of tricks I can do, because that's all they become are tricks. They're just tricks. Read Exodus. The Egyptian magicians could do tricks. But there's only one true and living God. There's only one source of life. There's only one true vine. There's only one true root. His name is Jesus. And tricks won't get us into heaven. It's only life. The life that comes from the true vine. Being connected to him is the only thing. Otherwise he doesn't know us. Without love, I can give all of my goods. I can let my body be burned. I can do all the good works in the world. But if I don't have love, 
it profits me nothing. What is love? Well, love is patient and is kind. It's not, it doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself and show itself off. It's not puffed up or proud or arrogant. Love does not behave rudely. Love is not selfish, does not seek its own. It doesn't pick and choose what's going to serve it best. It puts itself last. That's what Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, become the slave of all. Love is not selfish. It's not provoked. It's not angered easily. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It can carry the weight of the heaviest burden. It can carry it. Love can carry it. It believes all things. It never loses faith. It hopes all things. It never loses hope. It always hopes for what it does not see because that hope is rooted in the reality of one greater than what can be or cannot be seen in this earthly realm. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. Why? Because God doesn't fail. Because God is love. All things are possible with love. Why? Because all things are possible with God. I can do all things through love. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ, who is love, who strengthens me. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Because love is the very essence of His divine nature, and it is the fruit of His life which abides in us. Love is the power of His life manifest in and through us, Toward others. For love that is not shared. Is not love. Do you realize that? God did not pour his love into us. So that we could keep it for ourselves. The power of his love working in us. Is working in us toward others. That's why Jesus said this is the commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Because love that is not shared. Is not love. You can call it love. You can justify it as love, but the reality is if it's not shared, it's not love. We have no love and we have no power to love apart from Him, for He is love. And without love, we cannot know Him and we cannot be known by Him. And we can love only because He first loved us. So think about this, man was created, man was created, put in the garden, told to eat from every tree except the one tree. So we were created to eat fruit, we were created to find nourishment in fruit, to partake of fruit for substance, but also for enjoyment and for life. Love is the fruit of God's life abiding in us. How do we know if God is abiding in us? How do we know if his life is truly in us? Jesus said, by this all men will know if you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If he is in us, then his love will be evident in our life. Now, how do we manifest the fruit of love in our life? 
That's a question people ask all the time. Well, how do I love this person? How do I love? We always want a practical application. So do we just work up love as an emotion? Do we just do it? Do we just love even though we find it hard to love? We just do it anyways like the Nike commercial, just do it. When it's hard to love, do you just try harder to keep on loving? Is that what we do? How do we love as Christ loves? Because this is the commandment that's given to us. How do you love the unlovable? How do you love? You just try hard, you just gut it up and do it? I'm going to tell you, no, that's not how you do it. That's how you'll burn yourself out. That's how you'll come to a place and justify why you're not going to love this person. You know, one out of every two marriages end in divorce. And those marriages that end in divorce, every time that couple comes, it, it, when I deal with them, it's like, well, we just have come to a place we just can't live together anymore. We just don't love each other anymore. We tried and tried and tried and tried, but, but, but we just can't do it anymore. And you know, sometimes that's reality. But more times than not, it's really just a point of convenience. What they're really saying is, I'm just, I'm just tired of trying to love this person. I just don't really love them. And if you're trying to love somebody out of your humanness, out of your own strength, out of your own will, you're not going to be able to do it. Because the reality is, human beings are not the most lovable creatures on earth. They're not. And if you live with them long enough, you're going to find lots of reasons not to love them. But God never said that releases you or justifies you not loving. It's not. It's not justification for it. First of all, love is not something a person can work up. What is love? Listen. What is love? It is what? A work of the flesh or a fruit of the spirit? Go, go read Galatians 5.19. Nowhere is love listed as a work of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are love. Nuh-uh. No. The fruit of the spirit is love. You can't work love up because love's not a work. Love is a fruit. Remember, love is a fruit, and fruit is produced by what? By life. Who is our life? God is our life. Thus, God. God is the producer of love because love is a fruit. God is the one who brings fruit. Some plant, some water, but God brings the increase of fruit. So you need to settle that in your mind. You don't work up love. You don't try real hard to love. Love is a fruit, and only God can produce fruit in your life. And only God can produce love in your life. So if love is something that we're commanded to do, then how do we love? See, before we can love, we must know love. There is a difference. So we got a bunch of people trying to love, and they're asking the question, how can I love? And that's the wrong question. Because you're trying to do something that's impossible for you to do. But it's very natural for God because God is love. So it's not how can I love, but, but how do I know love? That's really the question I need to ask. Because to know Him, to know God is to know love. And to know God is to love God. And to love God is to love as God loves. See, if I know God, who is love, then I will love the way he loves. So therefore, the more we know him, the more capacity we have to love just as he loves. So our mistake, here's our mistake, church. Our mistake is in trying 
harder to love. Are you saying, Pastor Jeff, I shouldn't try to love people? Well, kind of, that's what I'm saying. You should love people. But what I'm saying is you're not going to love them anymore because you try to love them more. See, our mistake is in trying harder to love when we should focus our efforts on growing in the knowledge of Him so that we can grow in our capacity to love as He loved. Instead of working real hard to try to love harder, what I need to do is focus my efforts on knowing Him deeper and more intimately. Because the more I know Him, the more depth of my knowledge of God who is love, the more knowledge I have of God, the more capacity I will have to love as God loves. The more I know Him, the more I love Him. The more I love Him, the more I love like Him. And that is the commandment that we love as He has loved us. So look at this. My focus should not be in the person or the thing I'm trying to love. We shouldn't love things anyways. People, people are what we should love. If we love things, the things we love become idols. Those are idols. You can enjoy things, but your love should be reserved for people. But don't try to focus on loving a person more. My focus should be in trying to love, not love a person, but my focus should be in God who is the source of, of love for that person. Do you question God's love for anybody? Mm -mm. So instead of trying to focus on loving that person, what I should do is focus on knowing God, who is the source of love for that person. And as I come to know Him, then I will have the same love that He has for that person. And it's not me trying to work up love. Love just becomes the natural outflow, the natural produce of my life. What life? The life of God in me, that God who is love. So in knowing Jesus, I will love Jesus. And in loving Jesus, I will love as Jesus loves. And that is what he commanded us to do. So how, how do you love? Know Christ. Well, how do I love more? Know Christ more. That sounds too simple, Pastor Jeff. I didn't write the book. Are you the source of love or is God the source of love? Is love a work of the flesh that you try to work up or is love a fruit of the Spirit? It is what it is. And if fruit comes from God, then I better get to know the God who is the source and the author of life because that's where my love's going to come from. That's where my fruit's going to come from. So instead of trying real hard to love more people, what I need to do is focus on knowing Him. And the more I know Him, the more I'm going to love just like He loves. The more you desire Him, the more you will know Him. How do I know Him, Pastor Jeff? Desire Him. For you couples that are married, how did you come to know your husband or your wife? There was a desire there, wasn't there? See, the problem with a lot of people is they all want to go to heaven, but they don't really have a desire to know God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is all about God. It's all about knowing Him. It's all about relationship. This ain't a religious thing. 
this isn't press the right buttons and you end up in the right destination. If there is no desire for you to know him, then how are you going to love like he loved? It ain't going to happen. So instead of trying to love everybody, and you find yourself having a real hard time doing it, but you want to love them because that's what the Bible says you're supposed to do, and after all, I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. So I got to love these people. God, I hate them, but, but you said I got to love them. So, so I'm going to try real hard to love, even though I really don't want to, because even as much as I don't really love these people, I don't want to go to hell worse. So the option is, love these people I don't really love or go to hell. Well, I sure don't want to go to hell, so I'll try to love these people I really don't love. And you know what you do? Out of your humanness, you're trying to make love a work of the flesh, and it doesn't work that way. Instead of focusing on the rules and the regulations and doing what God says you're supposed to do, why don't you focus on God? Why don't you get to know God? And the more you get to know Him, you know what? The more you'll become like Him. You'll find yourself loving like Him. You'll find yourself having joy the way He has joy. You'll find yourself having the same kind of peace that He has. It's a peace that passes understanding. But it begins with a desire. Do you desire Him? Church, do you desire Him? You can desire to go to heaven instead of hell, but but not necessarily desire Him. He wants your desire to be for Him because His desire is for you. Amen? How do we love? We love by knowing Him. And the more I know Him, the more I will love like Him. Come on up, worship team. Now we have communion here tonight. And I want to invite you to come and take communion as they play. But I want to really encourage you not to just make this uh, another religious exercise that you do. I want you to really think about the price that Jesus paid to make the love that we're talking about possible. And he paid a price to make his love a reality in your life. You realize that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit could have sat back in eternity and said, man, we sure did love those people we created. I just wish they wouldn't have fallen. They'd be here with us today. I sure miss them. God could have loved us as a fond memory in his mind, but he didn't do that. He said, I'm willing to pay the ultimate price to not just love them, but to be in relationship with them. That God would deliver us from such a selfish Christianity. See, we think because we do all this for God. 
You know, I spend all my day doing things for God, in a sense. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't, that does not mean that I love with the love of God. Just because I'm doing spiritual things, or things that have a spiritual appearance. See, none of us get a free pass because of who we are and what we do. Where is the fruit? What's in our hearts? As you come to the communion table tonight, I want you to ask yourself what's in your heart. Not as a point of condemnation, but I want you to examine the fruit of your life. I want you to ask yourself tonight, what is my motivation Is my motivation really somehow to serve me? What I desire, what I want? Or am I really loving from a pure and sincere heart? I think that's a question we need to all ask ourselves. You guys play. And you come and take communion as the Lord leads you.